0: A quick little note. During this episode, we discuss Alex Zanardi. This episode was recorded just a few days prior to Alex Zanardi's most recent incident. We wish him the best. We still have the same respect as we portrayed to him in the episode, but we just wanted everybody to know when the episode was recorded, and we wish him best of luck. Godspeed, Alex. Alex. <laughs> driving gloves were a combination of gearheads john the instigator derek the concern will the builder sean the racer and maybe a guest invite you to listen while we sit down have a drink and discuss cars or subscribe to the podcast with No podcast driving gloves. time now for the ride everybody it's no driving gloves again uh today we're, we have sean co-hosting and it's kind of an interesting special guest we have today uh it's a gentleman named nate adams Um, I'm not sure his exact title, but he can correct me later on. But I'll say he's uh, co-owner, president, somehow uh, uh, runs a company called Chassis Media. Uh, Chassis Media is co-owned or co-operated. I'm not sure the exact corporate structure. I I don't get into that. I I meet the people and really find them interesting. But he works with uh, Adam Carolla, who's obviously a great comedian, uh, has some pretty successful podcasts and is a car guy, and Adam's put a lot of his money behind teaching cars and putting together really good car documentaries, and as I've said to Nate before, Adam's the big name behind it. Uh, Nate's kind of the, no offense to Adam, but the brains behind it. He knows how to put things together, and Nate is not the typical car guy, so we thought we'd have him on the podcast today and talk a little bit about maybe some of the magic he's able to bring to putting together car documentaries. They've put together the 24 hour war, which is probably the movie or the documentary that it finally got Hollywood off its butt to do the Ford for versus Ferrari movie earlier. One of the first ones they did was winning the racing life of Paul Newman. And at the time I was restoring a formerly raced Paul Newman, Lotus X 180 r It's really a Lotus Esprit race car from the early nineties, but it really highlighted that you know Paul Newman was an actor, then he was a race car driver, then he was a salad dressing man, and he's kind of remembered for his watches and his race driving anymore, uh, in our worlds, more than his acting. Recently, they put out the movie, well, while doing the 24-Hour Wars, they came up with too much information on Carol Shelby. They put out a sole documentary on Carol Shelby and really went deeper into Carol Shelby than ever are more than ever, the most recent release they have is Uppity about Willie T. Ribs, which if you haven't watched it and you think there's some challenges in the racing world, what Willie did to get to even the level he was, if his skin was a different color, he'd probably be right up there with Michael Schumacher and Jimmy Clark. And you name your your favorite driver, even Dale Earnhardt, if you're a NASCAR guy, he would be that if he didn't have some of the challenges he had and it was a really good telling of that story
1: if you know what you're if you if you know what you're looking at when you're looking at talent on a racetrack the folks that truly that truly know what's going on I mean they they put Willie T ribs in that in that uh in that light just because they know what he went through to get to where he got I mean he he's he's an epically good wheelman. um there's there's no no doubt about that no doubt about that. And that documentary, like I walked into our den and my wife started watching it. I didn't even know what she was watching. I was like, what are you watching? She's like, ah, oh, it's a Willie T. Ribs thing. And she was only like three minutes in and it, we were just glued. It was, it was amazing. So I just had to throw that in there because your stuff is really captivating. And I'm fascinated to find out that, Nate, that you don't have the... Do you not have the car gene at all? Like you're not, because are, are, if you don't, how in the world are you? You're, you're digging in and you're telling these stories that are so captivating to those of us that truly are vehicular twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, I think this is what this is what makes Adam and I such fantastic
2: partners. You know, if you come to our offices, we have thirty race cars in our office. Adam has a restoration shop in the back of this building that just full-time repairs his race cars and restores the ones that he buys. And that is his passion. And he loves cars and he knows everything about the cars and everything about the motors and, you know, the, the compression ratios, whatever, whatever. I, I really like cars and I'm fascinated by, I'm I'm just much more fascinated by people and stories. So, okay. you know, for me, it's a matter of because I think when I first started doing this with Adam, I produced a movie for Adam, which is how he met called Road Hard, which is like life on the road for a stand up comedian. And it's like a feature film, not a documentary. And, and my background was in sports documentaries. And he said, hey, I want to do this thing on Paul Newman. People told me there wasn't enough there for a documentary and, and look at the stuff. And I looked at it and I said, yes, there is. Without a doubt. <laughs> Without a doubt. You know, we're a great partnership because Adam does all, does know all the nerdy car stuff. And I'm always there to go, you know, if you start talking about motor mounts and racing, you know, if you start getting too deep into the car guy world, you know, any normal person's eyes are just going to glaze over because they don't care. It's a very fine line of like telling the Carol Shelby story. Like I, I know everything about all the Shelby's when they were first made how they were first made i've talked to every guy who is still alive that worked in that shop and a lot of the and some of the guys in england and uh, i mean i know everything about the chassis numbers and and which ones were first and you know how, how they you know the, the torque on the wheels was so it was so hard on that little tiny ac chassis because that motor was so powerful You know, that's why the wheels broke in the first race. But I I understand all of that. But you can't get too deep in the woods when you tell a story like that because car guys go, oh, yeah. But that's like half a percentage of the population who even understand what you're talking about when you say the word torque. So if you say that to my wife, her eyes just glaze over and she starts to go to sleep. You've got to tell stories about people. And, you know, you've got to find the trigger points for those people and what allowed them to do what they did because there were a lot better mechanics and car people than Carol Shelby, but there was no one who had everything rolled up into one person like Carol Shelby. There was no one like that. For him, you have to tell a story about a man who is an entrepreneur, an extraordinary race car driver, who literally one of the most decorated American race car drivers in history. Like, if you look at his record, his racing record, it's extraordinary. And people forget that, you know, yeah, they know he won Le Mans, but they don't realize how many races he won. He won, I think he won nearly half the races he entered. So you find me another racing driver who has that kind of record,
1: you, you probably won't find one was forced out of that car and forced into doing what, what he did to stay involved in in something that he loved. I mean, it's, that's, it's pretty amazing stuff. One of the things that you guys do really well in telling those stories though, and it's something that has over the years, it drives me insane in so much cinema. And I know a lot of the stuff that you do, it's, it's documentary. I get that. And so you have to, you have to deal in facts, but, the motorsport in cinema over the years is almost turned into a cartoon of itself or a caricature of itself. And
2: I met John when I was directing second unit on the John Travolta race car movie called trading paint in uh well, we met in person in Alabama. Okay. Yeah, so I directed. Yeah. You guys were actually talking about using the radio station that I used to broadcast from as part of that. I just directed the car action. I was not responsible for the movie. Story. okay okay you know that part i I thought they could have maybe done things a little differently but that wasn't
1: vehicles in cinema in general just it drives me crazy like the 723 speed transmission like the car that just continually upshifts and upshifts and i know you 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 were just talking about you can't drill down into the minutiae but you can you can make a a film whether it's documentary or purely fiction and not get into this crazy the car he he just upshifted the car 400 times during like this the last 30 seconds and it's like an action movie where the guy shoots you know 300 bullets out of a gun that has a magazine (laughs) when did you reload that gun right that drives me nuts and you guys are so good at staying In the real world and that's i think what appeals to the car people is the fact that
2: And, and that i mean that has a lot to do with adam adam is he's almost savant like in knowing like what era exactly what year a car is from like if you have a 64 and a 65 he knows and he knows what all the sounds are and the guy who does our sound design knows the difference between a gt40 you know, and a a Ferrari P4. So those sounds are car accurate. And if you've ever heard them both, they are very different sounds.
0: And that's where I think the partnership that you guys have and what you do, because I have this problem when I watch any television show with my fiance, and I don't do what she calls suspend disbelief. And I'm always critiquing what's wrong with the scene, where the continuity errors are and that. But when you guys produce these automotive documentaries, there's not a lot for me to have to suspend disbelief on. Everything is very accurate. And it really appeals to that car nerd in me, the researcher and that and it really grabs the car guy because everything is so accurate but what you're bringing to the table like you said is that person and we we say that all the time you know the viper club and the porsche club all say it's the cars that bring you together it's the people that keep you coming back so even as car people we have that connection with people but it's what keeps the non-car people interested in your movies it's just such a i'm glad you and adam came to work together because you've put together you've figured out that balance of you know liberty and justice or you know heel and toeing and
2: Yeah well I mean Adam is very good at story also but the thing is you know there's an authenticity to what we do because the number one belief that we have is the person who was there tells the story so if you go to the pits in 1966 and you go how far ahead was Ken Miles because that's something where The five people I interviewed who were in the pits have five different stories of how far ahead he was. And if he was even ahead, depending on who you talk to. (laughs) So you as a filmmaker have to go, well, who's telling who whose voice am I going to use? I chose his crew chief, Charlie Agapu. You know, Charlie was there. He's his crew chief. He knew exactly how far he was ahead or in his mind. So, you know, he knew that people came in and said, you have to slow down and because it made him go crazy. And he was very upset. It's an interesting I find it very interesting when people start debating things that they weren't there for. (laughs) I go, how can you really you know, how can you debate that? Because it's all speculation. You, You need to talk to the human being who was there at least and try to get that first eye account if possible
0: we've focused a lot on the documentaries that you guys have put together. And, you know, you've picked some of the biggest names and you and I have had some conversations uh, over the last year of, you know, some of the potential new movies and things, but we might get to that a little bit later. But the other thing that Chassis did that I've really enjoyed and, you know, I, I showed some of your movies at when I was at the barber museum at some events to help sell some, DVDs, and when we showed showed the Paul Newman one, we sold every DVD we ordered from Chassis directly, and had to buy more, and it just always sold out. And then, you know, we expanded to a few of the other movies. I don't know since I left Barbers two years ago how that relationship's carried, but Chassis went on and they bought a lot of little catalogs. And if you're watching the video on Patreon of my backdrop, you know, I've got, you know, the bug movie behind me and I've got um, something about what, what's the Indian movie that's appeared to mind? the point. Indian
2: wrecking crew narrated by Jay Leno.
0: Yeah. You guys took a movie that was decent, got Jay Leno to narrate it, remastered it a little bit. And you're taking these movies, these documentaries that should have been good. Or they were B pluses and making them the a documentaries by putting you know the little bit of adam's Corolla spice on them and pulling the right people in to tell the stories and being able to save these documentaries and get these stories out there was one of them that i watched that i just couldn't uh you know it was just a funny little it was a movie it was a dumb movie but it the you know, because you guys put it out, I watched it and I can't remember which one it was. I probably should call up your website and look it up.
2: We have our own channel now on Pluto TV with all of this automotive content on it where it's all free. So you just go to Pluto TV and go to your chassis channel, you know, the name of our company and you can watch, we have you know hundreds of hours and it's all automotive. So it's all automotive doc series, documentaries. I mean, you know, it's, it's great automotive content and That's what we like, and that's our niche. So we've really focused on that.
0: Is this where, and you know, I'll be honest. As a podcaster, I listen to other podcasts, and I listen to CarCast with Adam, but I'm always listening for Adam because of his history. He he loves the same era of cars I do, and has the same feeling about Japanese cars and that. But he's always talked about telling some podcast or story and I want to say he's doing it. Um, is, is that on the Pluto's TVs channel too, where he's kind of narrating or announcing races the way it should be? I can't think of what the whole concept was that he's always talked about or what I've seen, or, you know what I'm going after? Or am I talking,
2: where at Adam now talks about the races in the history. Yeah. I know that Adam wants to do some build shows where it's not he hates that they do like one car an episode and it's always a muscle car or a Mopar car or whatever. You know, he wants to like have one car be like a whole season so you actually see what really goes into fixing a car. And he wanted to do like one of his vintage Lamborghinis or a race car so you can see like how much work goes into it because you know, when he does a race car, like they're doing a five, they're doing a BRE 510 right now and we're doing filming as it goes, but it's like, they have to, they basically have to fabricate almost every part on the whole car because none of them exist. So they just have to keep making them all from scratch.
0: Yeah. Somebody who came from restoration myself, the hour long, let's do this. uh, Peter Klute probably had the best show because some of his restorations took multiple episodes or you followed some of them in the background for a whole season. I think to the store that storyline, you know, like I said, I've heard him talk about it uh, on his podcast and things. I think it's you know it's a great a great story. One of uh, you know we work with or I work with three different co-hosts on this show, and one's Will Posey and he's working with Courtney Hansen now on another one of those shows where they're doing a car an episode or anything, and nothing against the show will's doing. They're trying to bring a little bit more of that reality to it, but it's, you know, I guess it's that whole maybe you guys can do it, and maybe Pluto's the way to do it, or maybe it's just a DVD release on the restoration of, because you probably can tell the story in. With multiple restorers involved, whether it's the paint guy, the body guy, the the engine builder, the the guy who takes it apart, the guy who puts it together, the upholstery guy, which is very limited in the race cars, Adam does, but not necessarily as Lamborghinis, you can get everybody to tell their story in their little bit. You know, one week we take the car apart, one week we, you know, the we watch the engine get rebuilt. And I see, I can see that being, whether it be a two and a half hour, three hour documentary, which would be a you know a six seven. Ha- Seven episode, half hour TV show. It's one of those things that I'd love to see you guys do. It's it's a great idea, and you know, I don't know if Sean's got thoughts on it or.
1: I'm the I'm the crazy guy <laughs> that would literally want you to set up a a webcam in the shop and run a twenty four seven documentary on the on that Bre five ten and and other cars that are out there. I mean there are varying levels of i think attention span <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there are varying levels varying levels of attention span in, in the audience and and some folks want to see start to finish in an hour episode but i think uh, a lot of the 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 car fan base that's out there it comes back around to the attention to detail like i was talking about earlier in in cinema where little things like seeing a four stroke motorcycle on scene with a two-stroke sound coming out of it, drives me absolutely up the wall. Seeing a chase scene where the car shifts 5,000 times drives me up the wall. I am more of a purist. So I want to watch this restoration that you just talked about. I want to see it all. You know, I follow that thing every nut and bolt. I want to see every nut and bolt come off of it. I want to see every nut and bolt go back in it. I want to see you strip the body down. I want to see you straighten the panels. I want to know how you did it. I want to, I think there are a lot more people out there that are like that than, than has been given credit for. I really do think that there are a lot of insane over the top folks. It's, it's passion, right? It's passion for whatever you truly love. The folks that are really, really passionate about it globally. And that's the cool thing. Another cool thing about what you guys do, Mm -hmm. you have global reach. Um, you know you're not limited to a particular you know continent or you know a particular segment of you know a particular area basically well how do you feel nate like how do you like when you look at the the potential for your audience you alluded to you like to keep things realistic but you don't like to drill down you keep things more focused on the actual person instead of the the mechanicals but when you're doing something like this restoration deal, is there a market out there that's big enough to support something like what I'm talking about that literally goes down to ridiculous? Yeah, that's an interesting question because you have to
2: have the market to support, you know, sort of your theory or, and then you also have to get a network or a company or a sponsor or somebody to sign off on, it. you know, meaning write a check. So, you know, it's like, with a restoration show though, you know, you are getting more into the deeper, you're getting more into a deeper dive for car guys of like what's going on. So that allows you to get more intricate with the details that you bring to fruition. You know, it doesn't, I think if you're going to do the nuts and bolts, like, you know, 24 hour watching. Or, I'm insane. I know that. I realized that, <laughs> you know, you might have a thousand guys who watch that so you can never afford it, but You know, if you do the show, I I do think there's something interesting in, you know, kind of a more, you know, Adam's thing was like a more in-depth restoration of a much more expensive car. You know, if you have a $2 million Lamborghini Mira SV that you see go from, you know, start to finish, that's not a a $80,000 Chevy Camaro that someone fixed up from the 60s goes from 40 to 80 grand, you know, it's something that went from 1.2 million to 2 million when you're done and cost six, 700,000 to do, and maybe more depending on what happened. I mean, it's, you know, it's a different kind of restoration. And people don't, the reason a lot of people I think like the muscle cars and Mopar cars is those are reachable when you get into a, a race car that costs a million dollars to start, and then you're going to put 700 grand into it, that's not as reachable, or a Lamborghini Miura SV, or or one of those higher end, you know, cars that is out of, you know, it's out of my reach, out, out of most people's reach, you know, to get one of those cars. I don't know, I've always been really interested to try. And I also think it's also a part of the storytelling. I don't know that, I think the kind of contemporary, you know, Adam calls them like tattooed guys throwing (laughs) wrenches at each other doing the typical restoration shows, you know. Right. And I think there's kind of a formula to that that people are kind of used to. You know, if you go back to our shop, like there's no never nobody's ever throwing wrenches at each other or yelling. You know, those guys are just in there working all day. (laughs) They're not they're not back there like making drama because grandpa says it has to be finished in 20
1: minutes. Well, a lot of their shit, I mean, that's,
2: that's manufactured drama. Yeah, of course. It's, I, it's, I've produced, yeah. that, kind of, I've produced right. that kind of content before. Yeah. Right. So you know, you
0: know, say so every time a show came to the Barber Museum and wanted to do a show, one of the interesting things is, is they always wanted to have that inner family drama or that arguing or that fighting. And I think it's an easy sell when you're a small shop and you're used to you know worrying about making payroll every friday when it's operated with a significant budget and the show makes no real difference to the people in charge money wise and you say oh, we can't do that drama it really scares off some of those major networks in the 20 30 years that i've watched car television you know there was a point in time i was desperate to see anything i wanted and i would watch whatever cmt put on on saturday and then it got a little bit better. And I'm going to say Courtney Hansen again with Power Block on country, whatever, country music television. And then it became Spike and whatever the network is this week. You know, they built it to a little bit better of a car guy standard. But at some point, we lost it when somebody knocked on some motorcycle shop on the East Coast door and said, hey, we want to do this. And then it became all this drama. And then everything had to be the drama around and the car the motorcycle or the mechanical object took a second fiddle to the people and i think we're finally getting to a point where there are fans for that you know there are people that are always going to watch a duck show or they're always going to watch this chopper show or they're you know that that's what they want to see but there's this one percent of the population and maybe they're 10 percent or 15 percent of the car population People are amazed I don't have a subscription to Motor Trend Television because I don't want to watch 90% of the shows that are on Motor Trend Television anymore because they're still that same map and same pattern. But I think we're evolving to there's enough car guys with enough money that will start watching this and start demanding it. So I think you you and Adam are on the forefront of what's coming. It's just being able to produce it without going broke you know entertain us <laughs> and yeah
2: it's finding an audience yeah you
0: know, i think the audience is there but it's putting it out there and you know i forget a little bit about the pluto television i know he talked about that a couple of years ago he interviewed one of my former bosses at uh goodwood he was attending goodwood and i think that came out on pluto television uh the whole goodwood experience told from Adam's point of view, not from, oh, this is Goodwood and here's the castle and these people are running up the driveway and, oh, it's so pretty, but from the car guys and what went in and, you know, what was happening behind the scenes, what was happening at the top of the hill before the run or the bottom of the hill before the run and, you know, things like that. And, you know, I watched that whole series because I was in tune and, you know, it tied back to my employment at the time, but of course it didn't get a lot of traction, but maybe that's something. We can help help here and remind people that you know those channels exist and those shows exist. That's just not
2: that actually is part of a series that we have called "Going Racing with Adam Corolla, where we've we've now put that into twelve half-hour episodes, and they're going to end up on our Pluto channel.
0: That's what I was referring to earlier was the "Going Racing with Adam" because Very cool. I thought back to that when he's mentioned it. Yeah, so that puts together that whole discombobulated conversation I had ten minutes ago in this. <laughs> conversation going you know i had re- alluded to you know the the movies you guys bought and remastered i guess what's the thought process behind that because these are washed up things that you know all failed and you know they they rank up there with um revenge of the killer tomatoes on something you know everybody forgets about these shows and then you guys have brought it back
1: there's a huge cult following for revenge of the killer tomatoes though
0: yes but <laughs>
1: I mean, you could create a cult following behind any of those, any of those titles. And there's always a place for an automotive movie. There's always a place for a vehicular based movie.
0: Will you guys be digging for more? Are you digging for more? Can you say?
2: Yeah, I'm going to try to put some feature films on. I mean, right now on our channel, we pretty much have all uh, documentaries and docu series. So everything is kind of fact based content and I am going to try to find like some older automotive titles to put on there. I don't know if I'll get clean, but we'll get some, we'll get what we can.
1: I have a huge suggestion and I don't know whether you've seen this movie or not, but if there's any way that you can acquire Hollywood nights. I don't, oh, oh, I love God. that movie. New Bond, on. That should be in order to be a car person. You should be required to watch Hollywood nights. That movie is so epic in so many ways. And there's so many people, like, so many s- superstars. That was their first movie. Like, people don't realize Tony Danza, Robert Wall, Fran Drescher, um, Stuart Pankin. All of this, tons of amazing actors and actresses in that movie. That, that It's just a great, great film. Grab that one, please. Yeah, American Graffiti, directed
2: by George Lucas. That's another great film.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a Hollywood Nights guy, though, man. Like, we used to literally, like... I have a group of friends that I'm still in touch with and once a month for years, we would be in someone's garage somewhere working on something and that movie was playing. Like it, it just, I could reenact that entire movie.
2: <laughs> I remember that movie well. That's one of the movies as a kid I had
1: recorded on VHS. So I've seen it quite a few times. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. It's just great to see you guys going and actually finding that, that lost catalog.
2: Yeah, we have some, car stuff. we have some car stuff in the narrative space that we're working on. Like, you know, we want to start doing more narrative stuff and narrative series right now. We're trying to work on getting uppity, which is the film about Willie T ribs. First black driver race, the 500. Mm-hmm. We're working on trying to make that into a TV series. We have a, uh, actually a comedy TV series that we're working on in the car space. We we've, we've got a bunch of stuff that we're,
1: really pushing on right now are you actively like if if someone approaches you with a project are you are you talking to people about outside you know projects on the outside and bringing them into to chassis or is pretty much everything you guys do is it something that came out of yours or adams or someone on the inside's brain a lot
2: of the bigger docs we do you know uppity newman shelby okay uh you know 24 hour war. Those are conversations with Adam and I, but we are doing some with other people now. And, you know, it really depends on what people are coming in. If, you know, if someone's like, Hey, you know, and and we get this a lot and it's not anything knock on anyone, but my uncle was a famous racer in this County. I I can't help you. You know, if, if it's not a household name, because you have to remember you're in an auto niche which is a niche of a niche and you're making a documentary so it had better be an extremely compelling story
1: or someone who is virtually a household name somebody came into you and said Smokey Eunuch was my best friend and I still every still know everyone that knew him and we have yeah something something along that lines is something that you you'd pay attention to but yeah
2: yeah it's very hard it's a very fine line in terms of getting out of the ether of what car guys know to sort of what brings it a little more into the periphery. And then it goes down also to, is it also socially a good right. concept? What, what's the backstory? You know, what's the real story behind it? You know, is it compelling and are there great characters in it? Or is it, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it, we're not adverse to to, to talking to people or finding other ideas. It's, you know, right now, like Adams financed all of our films. So, you know, we're working on finding outside financing for the films we do now. So like, you know, we're not going to finance someone's doc more than likely. They want to do a doc and they come to us and go, Hey, we have a, partially financed or financed doc, that's a lot more, Right, we take that a lot more seriously than my uncle used to race on the circuit whatever.
0: That's part of, I think, building a business. Adam's put a lot of money behind creating the, the four or five docs that have been out there and it, you've established that you can do it and you can do it well. What? That's the investment in in the selling now. And it's kind of one of the reasons... You know, I invited you on the show. You and I have known each other for a couple of years since you were, you know, associated with that Travolta film. I showed you around the museum and stuff. And why we had talked beforehand, I think that's where we began our friendship. But, you know, looking, I finally pulled up the website and movies I was thinking of earlier that you brought back were Bellflower and the 12 O'Clock Boys, which were both very interesting movies, I'll say. And I really enjoyed them, but I would have never heard of them without... You know chassis saving them, but then you've got you know documentaries that are focused a little bit more on BMW, and I can I see a, a whole road ahead for you guys, and obviously you do because you've got a you know an office in Adam's new building there, and what might be on the agenda that you can talk about? you know, you and I have even tossed around an idea, you said, you know I think you asked me who, who would you do, and I gave you a name or two, and whether or not that ever happens, i I, I doubt it. Are there some out there that are you're thinking or is it now are you now in the build the build the company stage?
2: We're finishing two docs right now. They're not racing docs. One is on Mad magazine and one is on Memes with Cedric the Entertainer that we're doing. But we are looking at doing a Dan Gurney documentary that's very high up on our list to
0: start very quickly. That I can see being a very good one. It was he was mentioned in Uppity, obviously a key player in Willie's life and Even a key player with George Barber in the Barber Museum, George always admired Dan Gurney. And I think we had Surtees on stage one evening, and uh, Mr. Barber flew um, Dan Gurney in to say, you know, surprise um, Surtees. Unfortunately, both have passed. About, you know, a conflict they had on the race car back in Formula One, back in the mid-60s.
2: Oh, yeah. I really, I've interviewed both those guys. And Dan and and John are the night. It's just amazing how nice they are. They're such nice guys.
0: I spent a lot of time with Surtees in my 12 years at the Barber Museum. He was always... You know, he was Mr. Barber's idol, and that's why we've got his championship Ferrari and his championship motorcycles, or I can't say we anymore. That's why they have those there. But Certes was just, he was the nicest guy in the world and the most polite. But anytime he'd do a demo ride or get in the Ferrari to do a demo, he transformed. I mean, he, he kind of would go to get on his on the Augusta and just mold into it. And, you know, just he just became the bike. And his personality changed and his focus changed. And, you know, this is in the, the 2000s, 50 years after his championships. When he got on that, it was work. And, you know, all the fun, all the niceties were gone. I'm going out and I'm going to, quote, win. And it it's just was always something to see. And, you know, a documentary on either Gurney or, you know, Surtees or however you put that together, Formula One in the 60s were You know, it's been heavily discussed you went to a race and you saw somebody win and you saw somebody die every week and you just never know who it was. It's it's a whole different time and how 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 the thinking is It's sure a different work ethic than uh, a race car driver now, which is still a scary proposition, but just. I don't know if I could go to work knowing I had a one in 23 chance
1: of dying that day. I have to, I have to ask just being a massive fan. Yeah. Is the mad magazine yeah. doc out or is it, is it in, is it in, it's in process.
2: Yeah. It's it's in post-production. We will be finishing it in probably toward
1: the end of the year. It'll be done. That has literally nothing to do with cars, but spy versus Spy is Epic man. I just, I'm all about some mad magazine. That's awesome.
0: And it, it's good to hear you guys branching off because again, with the exception of, you know, a small podcast or a small little thing that's designed to break even, I think expanding into Mad Magazine, which I've never really paid attention to Mad, but I probably should. And I had the board game and Alfred E. Newman and all of that. So I'm familiar with it. And I'll see the documentary to see what I should have known 30 years ago as a kid. It's good to see that uh You know, it's not j- chassis, which we haven't said yet on the show is, you know, spelled C-H-A-S-S-Y. It's not chassis like a car. And I think that lends to you're not 100 percent car focused. You're thinking, uh, you know, a little bit beyond. And well, let's jump a little bit. And you know, we've talked and unfortunately, you know, Adam comes into all these conversations. We've talked to, really and referenced him a lot. What is Nate? What what do you think? Adams saw in, in you and what, what, are your, what do you enjoy? Tell us a little bit about you know, Nate Adams and what you, what you think your pieces to the puzzle are. We know what your partner's pieces to the puzzle are, but what, what about you? Yeah, you know,
2: I, I love telling stories. I love great characters. You know, I, I really enjoy digging into the worlds of these guys. And, and I really like the eras that we've worked in. You know the '60s a lot. You know with Shelby American and 24 Hour War, and with Willie T it was the late '70s and '80s. Newman raced for 35 years. You know, and he didn't even start till he's 49. He won his last race when he was 83. I mean, he he was just a a fascinating guy, and I kind of really I uh, have a, uh, an unprecedented respect for the guys especially who raced back then because of how dangerous it was and also I like that they could fix the cars also you know they weren't just dudes who jumped in a car and were cool they also had to know how to work on the car how to tell you know an engineer or mechanic to change something and set it up differently whereas now it's all computerized. I mean, they just get in the car at Le Mans, put their foot on the, you know, put it down and they don't ever lift their foot. Back then, you couldn't do that in the car. You'd break it. You know, 52 cars start at Le Mans, almost never would even half the field finish because they would break, you know, the fifth, you know, 24 hours on a car or Daytona or any of those 24-hour races. And a lot of them were 24-hour races back then. They, they would just torture the cars. When, when you went to Daytona or any of those places, if you, could, if you could win that race, you proved that your car was the most viable car and the most durable car. So it was interesting.
0: I guess it goes back to, you know, now when you watch a 24 hour race, every car that starts has a 90% chance of finishing, really, unless there's driver error or some little thing happens. Back in 1965, when you went to a 24 hour race, that's, you're trying to get a car to run four times longer than what most car warranties were, uh, new car warranties were, and run it at at the extreme. One of the things about that, you know, these drivers give it them all, you know, what Willie said in Uppity when he finally qualified for the Indy 500, you know, he said it was, you know, it was really, it's his last chance he was either going to qualify or they were going to scrape him off the wall. And then he was putting his left foot on top of his right foot to make the car go fast, which one you couldn't do back in Dan Gurney's day, because the car, like you said, the cars would break. Now the cars will do all of that. And it really comes down to a sheer will. And I guess we'll call it since we're a little bit more family friendly, the big heart that you put into, um, how things have changed just over a couple of little decades. And, you know, now we're 30 years beyond when Willie finally qualified and what's happened in racing. And then some of the things, you know, I guess you could even go back and really look hard at Zanardi and, you know, coming back after his tragic accident and some of these little, little things. And
1: Yeah, we have
2: a doc on him on our site, which is extraordinary. I love it. It's one of the, I think it's one of the better ones we have that we didn't make. I really like.
0: It. Oh, I, I missed that one. I'll have to look at him.
1: That man is unbelievable. That, that, that man is absolutely unbelievable. It's I, I got to spend a little bit of time with him. Um, and I just, if you ever are looking for inspiration to just get up off your butt, Alex Zanardi is the guy to look at, man. Yeah. I, just, it's, I can't even believe the stuff that he's accomplished before and since that, that, that accident. That's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, there's a great doc on
2: him called No Limits on our site with uh, three different BMW titles,
1: and that's one of them. They're all really.
0: Cool. I, I'm I'm looking at two of them. Of course, I don't have the third one called up.
1: So the BMW touring car one that y'all have done, I've seen that. That's or, or is is that y'all's or is that one that you've?
2: No, that's one that we license. Okay.
1: it's great. We
2: represent that, but there's three of them, and you can buy them in a three pack. They're all really well made. And really good. One of them is you kind of go along with this 24 hour BMW team and you go behind the scenes and learn all the stuff the drivers and the crew and everyone go through before a race. It's really fascinating. I'm like, I'm not even a car guy and I really liked that one.
1: What's in your catalog that really turns you on? Like like the stuff that you that you haven't done besides that, the, the BMW one, is there stuff that really turns you on and why? Like what will get you revved up about it?
2: You know, I like that. Yeah. I like the, uh, limitless. I, I like that. Uh, no limits is what it's called, but because it's a personal story and Alex it's is a just fascinating human being and what happened to him is crazy. And, and the fact that he was able to overcome it and, and get through it. And then, you know, I like our Indian wrecking crew about the Indian motorcycle guys who raced in the fifties. I mean, these guys are riding on motorcycles with no brakes. They started riding on wood and then they were on flat tracks and like they're going 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle with no brakes.
1: Like My grandfather actually owned a a wooden bank track that they toured all over the East Coast with. They had two flatbeds with both ends of the track, like corners were on like one of the track was on one flatbed. One was on the other and they'd go find areas that were flat enough to pull the corners off and bolt them together and they would race quarter midgets and motorcycles on
2: and that's another one where guys would just died every night. Pretty, I mean, guys were dying all the time because you're going 120 miles an hour and you have no protection whatsoever.
1: Yeah. He was, when I started racing, I started racing when I was four, when I started racing motorcycles, he was telling me at four years old about guys that would wreck on his tracks and have splinters yeah. pulled out of their legs and arms that were like two feet long splinters off this board track. And I was like, I'm not racing on a board track. <laughs> I'm never gonna like the the folks that did that, they were insane, but it's what they had, right? So they just that's what they had, so they did it. All of that stuff is amazing, man. i I, I really, really dig the catalog that you've got. I wish I had Pluto. I don't have access to Pluto, but just get it online. You have a yeah you will you will have access to my money it's i will be i will be buying a bunch of these
2: i'll tell you what if you go to chassis.com ch all of our dvds and blu-rays and everything they're all for sale there so you can buy whatever you want
1: i'm looking at them right now i'm i'm about to buy two or three um it's it's cool stuff man it's really cool stuff um
0: I'm going to jump back to the board tracks a little bit, because if you go to the Harley-Davidson Museum and even the Barber Museum, you have replicas of the board tracks. And they're all pretty and varnished and smooth. And now think back to the 20s. They were nothing like that. You know, the boards were warped and curled and they weren't smooth. They were splintered, like you said. A common thing in that motorcycle board track racing was they would pay you at the end of the evening. All the winners got paid at the end of the evening because there was a good chance whoever won the first race might not live to the last race. Uh, and that, you know, that's a was a fact. And they were aware of it. And, you know, like Nate's alluded to, no brakes. You started, you know, the, and there, you know, really no throttle. But, you know, carburetors are fully wide open. You didn't break, you rolled up onto the track and you know, once the bike started, yeah. you went as fast as you could until you turned it off. It was what you did yeah. and you, you did we'll to have it's fun. It's I mean, we've got guys walk. at dirt track now and I'm um, going back to show my age, but back in high school in my twenties, everybody was dirt track and Monte Carlos and things like that in the Midwest and it, kind of the same thing, not nearly as dangerous, but you spent every last dime, but you were able to hang out with your friends and have a good time and I think that again, that's, that's the whole thing is you might die on a Saturday night or a Friday night racing, but you had a hell of a time Sunday through Thursday to get to that race with all of your friends. And again, the people around you, you know, going through your, your site, I probably will have to, you know, order a few here. I know some of your Films and stuff are available through various online subscriptions and that if you wanted to quickly see something that Chassis offered.
2: We have three films on Netflix. The 24-Hour War is on Netflix. Uppity is on Netflix and Shelby American. Those are all films we've personally made. They're all available on Netflix. Like the 24-Hour War and Uppity uh, and Shelby American to a degree, my two cents would be if you really like good movies, get the Blu-ray. It sounds a thousand times better. I don't know what Netflix does in their audio. Sounds way better. I think the visuals way better. And also they all have special features that you learn like a ton more stuff about everyone involved. And I'll always put like some of the uncut interviews in the special features so you can hear Peter Brock tell the whole story of the Daytona Coupe and all that stuff.
0: Well that's why you you told me in one conversation the Shelby doc exists is you guys have had a t- tendency to get interviews and stuff but when during the creating the 24 hour war you realized you had so much Shelby information there was no, left you no choice but to do the additional doc. pretty
2: much yeah the guys were so fascinating that worked in a shop cuz they were all like 18 19 20 years old and,
0: and you, everybody forgets that we all think that you know these people are 30, 40-year-old, experienced engineers in that. Shelby himself was barely 35, 40 years old. He was
2: the oldest guy in his whole shop. And the guys, like Charlie Agapu is 21 years old, and he's the crew chief at Le Mans. That's nuts. Like, you would never ever in a million years. It's not happening anymore. The, yeah, I was going to say, if you walk through the pits of Le Mans now, there's not a
1: 21-year-old crew chief there. I promise there's a 20, there's a 21 year old, uh, wheel washer. That's, that's what you're doing at 21 at Lamar right now. Yeah. You're, you're taking weights off of, off of wheels and remounting tires. That's about the extent of it typically for, yeah, that's crazy.
0: If you're a lucky 21 year old, um, a couple of years ago, I had the fortune to be up at Watkins Glen during a Lotus owners' gathering with um, Bob Dance, who was Jimmy Clark's chief mechanic uh, on a Formula One team, and Bob was only in his mid 20s at the time. Learned that when you went to a Formula One race in the 60s, it was pretty much the team owner and they stayed at one motoring lodge, and the t- the driver and their crew chief, and maybe one factory paid. Uh, mechanic stayed at the Seneca Lodge in Watkins Glen, stayed somewhere else, different than the owners, total class thing. And everybody else was local mechanics that were hired to work on the team. I th- might have talked about this a couple of episodes ago on the podcast or not. But there's a guy that owns a vineyard that's a couple of miles away from uh, Watkins Glen that we went over and we visited while we were up there. And they were sitting around telling stories, but he was a Formula One mechanic in the 60s for three days a year when Formula One was in Watkins Glen and he was an official Lotus team, Team Lotus mechanic, just totally different worlds. And the stories that are out there that, you know, are unbelievably told and how casual and how non-corporate and really everything was in the 60s. Now, of course, there were exceptions. You know, there was Ferrari that was an exception and, you know, Lotus was still Semi strict. If you hear Bob tell some of the stories they used to do in the shop, gets you a severe HR uh violation and terminated anymore. But in, I don't know what what movie was it? Was it Uppity or was it the Twenty Four Hour War or something? You've been able to get Bernie Ecclestone to sit down for multi hour interviews. You've been able to get, um I can't think of his name, but
2: Piero Ferrari was the artist. But Bernie Ecclestone is a close second, by the way, to, to, you know,
0: and and it just, you just, you know, you're able to sit down and get these people that don't talk to anybody other than their inner circle of friends. And that's still, you know, it's the little things about chassis that really amaze me.
1: Getting, getting that door open is one thing, but actually after you get the door open to, to truly sit down and get to the meat and potatoes, uh, of of whatever the subject is that you want to talk about with someone like a, a an Ecclestone, that's epic, and it's insight that the entire car community is indebted to you guys for. I mean, it's it's it, we all wish we could have a couple hours with folks like that. Being able to see that unfold intelligently, that's the thing that I'm always going to go back to with what you guys are doing at Chassis. Is it's you you aren't pandering to a lowest common denominator with the stuff that you do you're truly keeping it on a level that the vehicular oriented person appreciates and we get stuff out of it, but you're also, you figured out a way to, to keep it human and to tell a story in a way that, um, folks that aren't car people, you know, you, you bring them into that story and and you paint that picture really, really well. It's, it's, that's, that's not easy, man. And, uh, I just have to say thanks for thanks for doing it. You know, it's it's you're the only ones that have done it. You're the only ones that have done it on that level. I think, and I uh, just it's really cool to have the time to talk to you about it, man. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us.
0: But I wanted to thank you, Nate, for taking time with us today to really discuss, you know, chassis and what we what kind of magic uh, chassis and you are bringing to this automotive entertainment industry and hopefully maybe some of our listeners will be able to pick up one of your films off the website or such and get their significant other whether it's a, a car guy getting his spouse or girlfriend into it or whether it's a car girl getting their you know their accountant husband or significant other into it uh, it's it's a really good way, and they're not first date movies. Don't get me wrong. Anything you know, you you, you might scare your Tinder or Match dot com friend away, but if you do it on a first date, but they're really good movies that really, you know, bring out the personality in people. So. Uh, again, check out, you know, chassis media. Uh, it's chassis.com. Uh, a lot of stuff on there. Adam's even got some of his personal standups on there. You've got that, you know, check out gloves.com. We'll have links to the episode and things like that, or any of our social medias. Does chassis have any other thing? Uh, you, you have a Facebook or Instagram or something, don't you? Or
2: Oh yeah, we've got uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Come follow us. C-H-A-S-S-Y media. So, you know, we've got Chassis, C-H-A-S-S-Y.com. That's where you can buy all the DVDs and the Blu-rays and whatever and the downloads. And come follow us on social media. And,
1: yeah, we appreciate it. Pinterest, Tinder, TikTok periscope I'm, I'm just kidding i'm just kidding a little, little new for me
0: and uh you, you can I'm only manage three social medias they always say pick the three that you're good at and you think you get the best response right. but uh and then check out pluto tv
2: yep definitely check out our channel on pluto tv if you're a car person you'll love it
0: with that with that we're going to thank you nate for uh spending a little bit of time with us this afternoon and uh i hope to be able to talk to you or maybe we'll put something together with uh maybe one of your other movie stars cool man thanks guys i appreciate it thanks for coming on sure
2: yeah no worries guys thank you we'll talk Mm -hmm. later
0: thank you for listening and remember to look us up at no dragging gloves.com there you can find back episodes links to products we recommend and links to all of our social media be sure to tell a friend about us no driving gloves is edited and produced by jv's productions